0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode of Heritage Radio Network on Tour was recorded at Slow Food Nations 2017, a festival to taste and explore a world of good, clean, and fair food for all. Slow Food Nations took place in Denver over the weekend of July 14th through 16th and included panels, workshops, roundtables, cooking demos, farmer's markets, food tastings, and more. Heritage Radio Network's Kat Johnson traveled from Bushwick to the Mile High City to report on this first-of-its-kind international gathering presented by Slow Food USA. Heritage Radio Network on Tour is made possible by the support of the Julia Child Foundation.
1: Welcome back to our coverage of Slow Food Nation's 2017 coverage from Denver, Colorado. I'm Kat Johnson for Heritage Radio Network, and I'm here with Rusty Bowers. Hello. He's the meat magician behind Pine Street Market in Atlanta. Thanks for being here.
2: I'm so excited to be here.
1: I am too. Um, I just recently took a trip to Italy. So my first question for you is that you said you took a trip to Italy when you were 20 that inspired Mm -hmm. you to be a chef.
2: Absolutely. And it
1: made you realize that good food is simple food. So tell me about your trip to Italy and how that kind of changed your life.
2: I have my two epiphanies on that trip in Italy. Um, Me and my little brother, very close. He's just a year younger. And we're walking through Venice And this lady in her business attire with her briefcase comes rushing out of her house and flies past us. And I elbow him and I'm like, she lives in Venice. And he's like, yeah. And I go, we live in Jacksonville, Florida. He's like, yeah. And I go, what is wrong with us? we got to change that. So we both have traveled a lot since then. But also on that trip, we were in Tuscany and this um, cute little restaurant. And I ordered uh, artichoke lasagna. And what came out were these beautifully cooked artichokes, this bright, vibrant olive oil, noodles, salt, Parmesan cheese. That was it. And it was the best pasta I've ever had. And it really like changed it for me that I was like, wait a second, food is not complicated. It should be from right around where you are. It should be so simple and just keep it simple. Don't, don't make it flashy. Don't, don't show off your knowledge of spices, make food simple.
1: So did you come home and immediately start figuring out how to get in the kitchen?
2: I had already started cooking, kind of as a um, don't really want to go to college, so you might as well cook kind of thing. And all the cool skateboarders and surfers that I looked up to cooked. Um, But came back with like a newfound passion, which is so excited, not just to recreate other people's recipes, but to kind of start going out on my own.
1: And I read that... um, So a lot of chefs claim that culinary school isn't really worth it, but you Mm -hmm. went to culinary school and you said that it was a great decision for you.
2: It was wonderful. So I had been cooking for about 10 or 11 years when I had saved up to go to culinary school and I had traveled around a lot, lived in Maui and Austria and Turkey and came back to um, the Atlanta area where my parents lived and decided, hey, I got to get serious about this and really crack down because I want to learn the business side of the culinary world and kind of what else to do besides, you know, the single restaurant owned by a chef or working for a resort? Like, how do you move out of that? Mm-hmm. So I went to Culinary Institute of America, which is a wonderful school, and took the bachelor's program, and that really helped me discover food trends, learn finance, all the other side that goes beyond cooking. Um, one of one of my favorite chefs in Atlanta, a really close friend of mine, Terry Koval at Wrecking Bar, uh, he is self-trained. So it's wonderful to see... We, we do a lot of events together. We just got back from Harlem with Big Green Egg, uh, one of my favorite companies to work with. And by far, my favorite kitchen tool is the Big Green Egg. Um, but he is completely self-taught. And is just such an amazing, talented chef and always hungry to learn. I think more important than going to culinary school or not going to culinary school is developing that hunger, just like in any industry. Once you've stopped learning, you're done. So keep every day get excited about something like like clay with Oliver Farms and that okra oil. Holy Christmas! That stuff was amazing. I tried it yesterday for the first time and instantly was like, oh, when I get back, I'm gonna do blah 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 and all this fun stuff with it. And every day learn whether you go to school or not.
1: So what? Where did you go after you finished culinary school?
2: I moved to Atlanta because um, through traveling, always came back you know for the holidays to visit my family. And just thought it was just such, like, this amazing, like, friendly culture that just with all the little pockets of Atlanta and you kind of find your own little area and uh, started working for Buckhead Life, a big restaurant group, and then um, eventually opened Pine Street Market nine years ago.
1: Um, So at Pine Street Market, you're known for your whole animal butchery. Yes. So, but before that, you were in fine dining. Right. So, So what made you decide, I'm going to... When I open my own place, I'm going to go this totally different route. I'm oh, gonna, okay. I'm going to be a butcher.
2: Um, seeing the trends of the butchers in um, New York and San Francisco and just... It's like the the meat is the center of the plate. It's the ultimate slow food. Um, I had met Wes and Charlotte at Riverview Farms around the time when I was thinking about, hey, I don't enjoy the chef lifestyle. It works wonderful for so many people but I had gotten burnt out on it. I'd been doing it for about 17 years and um, was really looking for the, the next stage of my life and met Wes in Charlotte and was reading all these trends about San Francisco and New York and understanding that Atlanta's a few years behind. We could own it. Um, and kind of seeing that, hey, you know, you could only go to an open-air farmer's market at these, like, super rigid times, and usually the weather's bad in Atlanta, unfortunately, on Saturdays and Sundays. And it's like, but what if there was, like, a store that just solely focused on this. And that's where it began. And I think it was the fine dining principles that helped me, like that helps come up with the recipes and comes up with the, the ways. You don't want to buy the whole pig, sell the pork chops and bacon, and throw the rest in the trash. You've got to get creative and kind of dig deep from your learning to figure out. Our goal at Pine Street is that you can pick the trash can up with one finger because mm-hmm. it should just have a little bit of paper towels and plastic in there.
1: And how has Pine Street evolved since you opened it? To today? That,
2: that is a great question. So Pine Street was originally called Cured Foods. Mm-hmm. And um, I was going to make, it was just going to be me, which I think is hilarious. I now have uh, eight full-time employees. Um, it was going to be salami, cheese, and smoked salmon. And so my original meeting with the USDA, they're like, okay, slow down, kid. You got to pick one. And I was the most excited about making salami. So originally opened the door with just cured meats. And then that led to sausage because of the whole animals. And then grew to the prosciutto and pork chops, and uh, then we introduced beef and uh, Springer mountain chicken, mm-hmm. and kind of grew it from there.
1: now why did they tell you you had to pick one they just
2: they um well the USDA inspects us every single day for up to two hours a restaurant's inspected twice a year every every day um, so they're heavily involved in daily production. It would have had to have been three separate facilities, either separated by time or building and uh, I really one of the aside from teaching the classes, I think my other favorite thing with Pine Street is kind of nerding out on meat science and like learning all these rules and how to work with restaurants and get them trained on the rules so they can do their own.
1: So that's my next question. A lot of mm. chefs work with you to help to to develop their um, charcuterie programs yes. or just continue working on them and navigating all of these rules. Um, can you tell me who you worked with, how you helped them and, sure. and, and what you enjoy about that
2: i've worked with um fox brothers barbecue uh wrecking bar um i've worked with uh king of pops on developing a um, defense program for their their juices for their popsicles uh, and a few others um but uh i was the most excited about wrecking bar and fox brothers kind of their excitement on working with meat because meat should be fun and it shouldn't be this scary like I'm going to go hide it in the attic and hope no one ever sees it. So kind of bringing it out and kind of uh, simplifying it and the understanding that it shouldn't be this complicated, scary task.
1: And you are working with Riverview Farms, who you mentioned earlier. Um, You worked with them for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, But you now are going to be developing um, a farmer-butcher retail operation called The Chop Shop. Yes. Tell me about what that's going to be like. So
2: on Memorial Drive is this uh, busy up-and-coming area in Midtown Atlanta. And, um, we bought the, this building called tire Kings. It was an old tire shop. And so we're in the process of converting that into, um, a butcher shop to where it's chop shop kind of, it's an old gas station. So we wanted it to be like when they steal the cars and break it down because it's kind of what we do with the animals and then sell off all the pieces. So, um, have a lot of fun with, you know, the, the ideas of playing around with that. And, um, My girlfriend and I are going around to different restaurants in Atlanta, and I was sending her photos from Holland, and we're looking here and kind of coming up with design ideas, and uh, we're meeting with the architects and doing all the planning. We're hoping to open fall of this year. I just feel like every time I say it, it's a curse that it's going to be next spring. But, uh, yeah, we're going to open as as fast as we can. We're so excited, and I love working with Riverview Farms.
1: And it'll just be retail. so It'll just
2: be retail. So we'll still continue to... at our USDA facility at Pine street, we'll produce everything. Mm. And then, um, at this retail store, it'll be a large retail store with, um, big green eggs out on our patio. We'll do, um, a lot with Springer mountain chicken, then the beef and, uh, pork from Riverview farms. They make amazing, uh, grits and polenta. Of course we'll have clay with all of our farms. We'll have his oils there. Uh, do South pickles. A lot of local people.
1: I love Do South. Yeah. Um, so why do you, why do you think this close relationship between farmer and butcher is important? Like, wh- why is why is having this joint operation going to be such a big deal for Atlanta?
2: Uh, that kind of summarizes the whole reason I, I do what I do is um, working so closely with with Riverview and finding ways for their farm to grow and for us to grow and. When we first, when I first opened Pine Street back in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, I couldn't sell pancetta because people were like, "I don't want your Italian bacon. I just want your bacon." And you're like, "No, no, no! You got to try it. Like, it's more than that." And now we sell head cheese, guanciale, pates, all these wonderful things that people are excited to come in and um, we have regulars that come in the door and they're like, "Hey guys, what am I? What am I taking home for dinner?" And just trust us, just to say, try this new item, like. Um, we did a, uh, our Springer Mountain Chicken Sausage with Bacon and Sage is at one of our new items. And uh, we do a chicken jerky. Uh, all these things people are coming in and trying and uh, just having so much fun with.
1: What do you think changed that for people to trust you? You just stuck around long enough? and
2: Yes. And I think that um, if I'm honest, I probably started Pine Street a year or two too early. And then people then kind of started understanding, okay, like, um, we're real big with our employees when we hire them to say that uh, we're not a butcher shop, we're a lifestyle shop. Mm-hmm. So you're not coming to Pine Street Market for a piece of meat or a piece of chicken. You're coming to Pine Street Market to to believe in that lifestyle of know your butcher, mm-hmm. know your farmer. You'll you'll see f- um, farmers popping in, delivering eggs fresh out of the field or tomatoes that they just picked that morning. That That's what Pine Street Market is all about.
1: And you just mentioned know your butcher. Yes. What's your website says it in big, bold letters, know your butcher. Why, why is that important?
2: That, um, so that's the working title of the book proposal that I'm writing right now, um, about making meat fun and accessible and exciting and not this scary thing that's going to wake you up in the middle of the night with stomach pains and kill you if you cook it yourself or this dried out shoe. Um, meat should be fun and knowing your butcher. It's, it's like, um, like, like the Brady Bunch. And, like, they would go to Al the Butcher and he would be like, hey, kids, try this pork chop. You know, it's just like where they'd come out from behind the counter and you don't see that anymore, like the, that wonderful connection. And, I mean, it goes further to, like, know your farmer and know your, you know, know everybody that you work with, know your, your seafood provider, like know all these people and develop that trust because um, I always see it as it's not only products that we've created, but it's products that you're going to take home and, and feed your loved ones. And it's that trust. And it's knowing us, and we trust each other, and we work together.
1: Now, do you do cooking classes or other education yes. for people? Yes. What, what do you like about that?
2: Um, I, that's my favorite thing at Pine Street Market is the cooking classes. And we do a whole a whole, whole hog class where um, we break down the whole hog. You cut your own pork chops, make your own bacon. Uh, we do a sausage-making class where you, you pick out all your spices and grind two pounds of your own sausage and stuff it into links we go over the right way to cook it because most people cook it incorrectly. Um, We do a a cured meat class and kind of the mysteries of cured meats that scares everybody. Um, We do a whole lamb class, butcher boot camp, which is kind of everything over three Saturdays. Uh, I love it because people, meat makes people nervous. And if you pull out a a cut chart of a pig, like the the demo we're going to be doing in a little bit where we're breaking down half a pig, um... A lot of people don't know where the different cuts come from, and that's fine. But learn, learn where they come from and learn – a pig is not just a, a ham, bacon, ribs, and pork chop. There's all these, like, really wonderful, beautiful cuts in there that are underutilized and a lot of fun to, to cook with. Today we're going to be uh, – John Cox with um, Baron Starr, I believe, was on earlier. Mm-hmm. We're going to be cooking some secreto, which mm-hmm. is the the secret
1: cut. I love
2: secreto. And we're going to go over how to do that. And it's, it's, a, it's a neat – it kind of as you look at the pig, you're like, "Oh, I can see it," and you can see right where to take it out. And so we're going to go over that today to explain to people, "Hey, it, it. Let's just say it used to be a secret. Now it's a. It's a it should be a common cut."
1: Yeah. Um, what are some? I would. I'd love to know like some responses you get from people that maybe knew nothing about meat and then come to one of your classes.
2: Absolutely. Um, we've joked around about having like hash marks on the wall about converted vegetarians. <laughs> um, I've had people. I mean, a, lot, a very common misconception is that a pork butt is not the shoulder, the front part of the pig, that it's, it's the butt butt. Mm-hmm. But uh, we go into the history and why, why it got that name. Um, we talk about why the inferior ribs of baby back ribs are popular than the much superior spare ribs just because of marketing and a clever jingle mm-hmm. and the need to have boneless pork loin. But the spare rib is so much more flavorful, and we cook some off and ahead of time. We don't make people wait, but cook them off and let everyone try them. Um, it, I, it's, so in the class, we fire up our big green egg, and we do about eight different cuts where it's just salt and pepper, and we grill them. And you can try, like, oh, you're right, the pork loin is kind of dry. We should brine it. Or, or wow, there's so much flavor in the shoulder and in the ham. And it's just so much fun. It's just neat to watch everyone's eyes light up.
1: That goes back to what you're saying about the simple food you had in Italy. Where right. It's just like you were just tasting the pure ingredient.
2: Pine Street Market is not around so I can show you how much I love paprika. Mm-hmm. It's around to show you the heritage meat, the uh, the whole philosophy behind slow food. And and uh, for you to bite into that springer chicken or bite into that Riverview, uh, Riverview Farm pork or beef and just be like, oh, my goodness, like I can taste the care and the, the way it was raised. Not Rusty's love of nutmeg, yeah, right.
1: So I, I want to talk a little bit more about slow food. Um, how did you first get involved in slow food?
2: I met uh, Julie Schaefer and um, her whole crew through the Peachtree Road Farmers Market in Atlanta, and um, it was it was funny to me because it it was something I was already excited about and passionate about with West and Charlotte at Riverview, and we were already doing. And then I'm like, oh my goodness, like there's a whole network. And I came out here to Denver a few years back. I'm not good with time. It was like two or three years ago for the Slow Meat Conference. Mm-hmm. And um, came with Will Harris of uh, White Oak Pastures. And um, I love hearing him speak, just his, his word flow and tone of voice. But I also love his message. But I always had so much fun with the Slow Meat Conference and kind of uh, meeting different people from all over the country and internationally. It's made me really fall in love with slow food.
1: And um, what what do, what is slow food doing in atlanta at the moment um are you involved in that chapter much
2: i am somewhat with uh steven satterfield and then peter who runs slow food atlanta um different fundraisers uh working together with things like the farmer's fund and the giving kitchen and it's just such that's what i truly love about atlanta that um i kind of didn't realize couldn't put my thumb on it before i moved there but it's it's the brotherhood of everyone like uh we share recipes, we share ideas, we help each other, you know, develop meat programs. We, we help each other support farmers. And, uh, I'm working with a farmer, um, Corey with natural born tillers on crop mob. And we're doing these pop-up things at farms to, to help them like, gosh, a couple weeks ago, uh, move mulch and manure, which isn't exciting, but 20 people showed up from the community just to say, thank you to the farmers and work for free. And we got, uh, Thomas at the Hyatt Regents, uh, uh Grand Hyatt to come out and, um, supply the food and it was just a wonderful time.
1: Well, that just shows you how much people are like hungry to, to know more about their food, which is great.
2: And it's, it's the excitement of all these people coming together, like with Slow Food, the excitement of these professionals, it's, it's contagious Mm -hmm. and the customers see that and just get excited about it.
1: That's awesome. And so tell me what you're doing um, at the festival this weekend.
2: Yes. So I've been uh, working with Big Green Egg and Springer Mountain Farms and Hinkle Knives, kind of the trifecta of awesome uh, yesterday, we on, on the Big Green Egg, we um, smoked some Springer Mountain chicken sausage. Uh, we did a quick uh, Carolina slaw. Um, and then John Cox with Baron Starr, him and I, did some of his uh, Wagyu beef brisket. And today, John and I will go up on the stage, actually in, gosh, it looks like just a few minutes, and uh, break down a pig and come up with different cuts. And then he's going to have recipes for those cuts. And kind of take the mystery out of, like, pointing at an animal and being like, What's it got inside? <laughs>
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Well, we're looking forward to checking that out this afternoon.
2: Wonderful. Um, thank
1: you so much for stopping by. Thank you. This and, has been a lot of fun. Yeah. And um, we'll probably see you in Atlanta this fall for okay. Chef's Collab and Decatur Book Festival. All right. and All the other fun oh, stuff yeah. going on.
2: Absolutely. Thank Great. you so much.
1: Thank you.